This is Photo BizX episode number 472, and today we are returning to the topic of profitable Christmas mini sessions. And why are we doing this now is because you will need a little bit of time to implement what you hear from our special guest if you want to make this year's Christmas minis as successful as he is. I'm talking about Philip Warren, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and I'm coming to you from France, the French Alps in fact. We've made the big move up from Spain earlier this week. It was a massive day of driving for everyone involved. There was five cars, a truck, and 22 of us making the big move from Spain to France. And it is so, so different here, obviously. We're nestled in amongst the Alps in a little village slash town called La Chambre. We're right at the base of one of the massive climbs of the Tour de France, the Col de la Madeleine, not far from Col de Glandon and the Col de la Croix de Fer. All famous climbs and will be familiar to you if you follow the Tour de France at all. Today we're making the big move from here over to Alpe d'Huez, the iconic climb of the French Alps. And crazily enough, a few of us have said we're going to ride over to our next accommodation while the rest of the group drives over. So I am going to get this podcast out to you, have a big breakfast, jump on the bike, and hopefully be ready for around 3,000 metres of climbing today. It's going to be a massive day on the bike. Okay, enough about me and my holidays. We're going to get into this interview with Philip Warren in just a second. Like I mentioned earlier, I've interviewed Philip in the past. It was a fun interview. Philip is just so, so giving with his information and his knowledge. And you will hear how excited I am during this recording, this interview with Philip, because we had the video on and you'll hear me referring to his fantastic looking studio. I've got photos of the things that we're talking about, including the Santa photos in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 472 if you want to check those out as you go through the interview. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmish, photobizx.com. Now, just quickly, before we jump into this interview, if you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today. I am saving a large portion of the second half with Philip for premium members only. So if you want to hear the full interview today, you can do that for as little as $1 with a trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest was featured in episode 352 of the podcast where he shared how to run profitable Christmas mini sessions. He's a successful wedding photographer, but realized there was an opportunity to generate a boost in income after creating some beautiful Christmas themed photos for his family. That was back then. Two years ago, he was booking enough shoots to make this period of mini sessions an important part of his business. Now, we had a recent exchange of messages and he told me lots have changed business-wise since the last interview, all for the good, 
and he says it's been an incredible two years. He went on to say, Last year, I absolutely smashed it on my Christmas minis. I shot over 110 sessions and I made over 12,000 pounds, as well as leading to other work as well. I'm talking about Philip Warren from Wales in the UK, and I'm wrapped to have him back with us now. Philip, welcome back, mate. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) I want to dive in and start asking you questions straight away, but I've got to share with the listener You know, we've got our cameras running and here you pop up on my screen with this incredible backdrop. It looks like super modern. Um, There's a beautiful wall, like it looks like a half wall behind you that says loft on there. And it just looks super fancy. You've got these bookshelves, what looks like bookshelves, artwork on the wall, plants, sofas, like it looks like an amazing space. I asked you about it, then you turn the camera, pan it around to this incredible studio space. I'm like, holy crap, this isn't a photographer working from home anymore. This looks like serious stuff. (laughs) Has all this happened in the last two years? Yes, it has. I mean, I think some people might call me crazy for opening a studio during a pandemic, but I think for me, it was a case of I saw the opportunity and I thought, well, let's just go for it. So yeah, I'm not sure if I mentioned last time, I was a product designer. So I used to work in design consultancies and kind of really cool working spaces. So a lot of where I'm sat is is kind of taking little snippets of, of where I've been and my journey as a designer before becoming a photographer. So it's all about the experience for me. You know, it's about coming in, having a nice place to be, making the clients feel comfortable and yeah, ultimately, hopefully they spend some money as well because they like the experience <laughs> as well as being kind of with me, maybe. So yeah, it's perfect situation. It's a bit of an odd building. So I think the because of that, the rent was relatively low. It's walking distance from my house. My kids go to school on the same street. Wow. So it's kind of, um, it is a, a kind of a perfect situation, I guess. The first thought that came to my head when you popped up was, architecturally designed or interior designed very modern library type looking space like it looks ultra yeah. it looks fantastic i mean it's a credit to you yeah it's um i appreciate this i mean it's straight out of uh, ikea so like everything <laughs> in here is ikea literally but the way i designed it because it's just a, a large open space i think it's like 80 meters squared i think it's around about that sort of area i needed it to be flexible because it wasn't only for shooting it needed it for the clients to come in sit down so that was the first kind of protocol what i kind of had left over was more for the studio setup so i could manage it so nothing's fixed down so everything can be slight you know slide around and moved and just put into place wherever i needed it to be so it's uh, yeah it's pretty flexible do you get the same response from clients as i've given you like when they walk in are they blown away yeah well, in fact, it's even more because the entrance to this place is on a side door. It's a little sort of unassuming door and you come in through like a small corridor and then up some metal steps and it's really kind of industrial steps they lead up to and then you turn the corner behind me and then they just walk into the space and it's like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. So it's kind of, it's kind of like my photography in a way where it's like unassuming, you know, it's kind of low key, but then you get something cool out of it. So in some some respects. That's so cool. Yeah. And I imagine when they walk in, they're, they're also thinking at the same time, okay, we're going to be spending some money here. <laughs> no, 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 that, that was key. Um, so, so it didn't feel, it didn't, yes, it does look good, but it doesn't make you feel like, you know, if you go to a really fancy restaurant and you're afraid to kind of hit your cutlery on the plate, it doesn't feel pretentious. It doesn't feel like it's out of anyone's price range. 
So that was key for me. It didn't need to be to the point where it was like, oh, hang on, we can't afford this guy or he's clearly getting paid too much money. So, <laughs> you know, there's a, I think there's a limit there. That's why Ikea comes in great. I think it doesn't, <laughs> it just fits in that middle range of being kind of sharp and modern, but without too much money. At the very least, they're going to know that they're dealing with a, a serious, like a proper photographer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, they get that from the get go, to be honest, you know, from the minute they contact me, they're aware of pricing and the packages and so on and how I do things. And one of the first things is a meeting. You know, I want to talk to people and I feel I'm pretty good at talking to people now. It's kind of, it's one of my things that I, it was a strength. So I want them to come in have the experience, go through everything. And that, that's kind of the key to most things I do really is, is the experience. Um, cause I just ultimately wanted to have a good time as well you know the photographs are almost like a byproduct of it all because if they comfortable they they like being with me they like the experience then the photographs are a lot easier and that's kind of my my, my mentality for all my shoots really i love it be a wedding or, or kind of the studio so i know and I, I can totally understand that being a wedding photographer you are probably 100 percent booked out under the pump right now as weddings have come back online but you open the studio during COVID, when I'm presuming that weddings just weren't happening in Wales like they weren't happening here, uh, certainly not to the same extent they are now, why open a studio then? And what was going so well in the business that you thought, okay, this is a good time to open a studio? That's kind of a, a multi-pronged answer, really. Because first of all, if you look at what I was doing with the mini sessions and, and the more commercial sites, so, so the loft, which is the branding on the background, that's for my commercial brand. So one of the reasons for having this was I was starting to notice the commercial side of things where it was food photography or interiors picking up, which also led to doing things like headshots and uh, more commercial type stuff. So having that was kind of key to this place because it allowed me to have another avenue of work, which was already there. But it was, um, you know, as a wedding photographer, you're kind of always told to be the go-to wedding photographer. You need to be the person which thinks of you as a wedding photographer. So it was difficult for me to say on my social media to put, food photography in with that people get a little bit confused like what type of photographer are you so having a second brand then allowed me to apply it to that but also with the weddings then people could come in you know i did book in 2020 i booked 32 weddings during lockdown which you know for those people fair play they um took a bit of a risk i guess because they weren't sure on the future and then it just sort of took off because if i the way i looked at it my rent is relatively low so I pay £400 a month rent on this place, which is, you know, if you, if you look at over a course of years, 4800 I knew that I could make that just on mini sessions. Right. Are mini sessions only Christmas or are they all year round now? Yeah, yeah, only Christmas. Oh, so you can pay the rent on the premises for the whole year from your mini sessions at Christmas? That's right, yes. Yeah, so that's the way I approached it. So it's low risk. <laughs> so the way it was kind of trending up, I could do my mini sessions at Christmas and pay for the entire year. Fantastic. It turned out in, in like 2020, you know, end of 2020, when I done my Christmas sessions, I paid for the next three years of rent basically. So, <laughs> cause I made over 12,000 pound during that session. So, so it, it kind of hit home and that was only six months after I was in here. So I got in around about May, the, the owner, incredible. I, I, you know, take my hat off because he gave me four or five months rent free at the start because I think he kind of saw what I was doing in here because I put a decent amount of money in for it. 
then he was like, look, you can't make any business at the moment. I'd rather you be here. I want you as a, as a tenant, make sure you do everything you can pay me when work picks up. So, um, so incredible, absolutely incredible. So, so my lease effectively started in September by Christmas. I run my mini sessions and kind of paid for the year already. So, so everything else on top of that is kind of, yeah, cherry on the top, basically. So if I do like album sales, so the way I structure my album sales now, which has never been a big part of my business because I've never been able to do it, that all adds into the kind of the profit of the place. So it's, uh, yes, I know it kind of goes back a little bit on what I said on the previous podcast in terms of using other place people's spaces, but I've always done things in like a low risk fashion to take a bigger risk. So using someone else's place and that someone else's, you know, property allowed you to have a you kind of get a little idea on, can I do this? And obviously. Yeah. Cause I remember from last time you were actually, did you, did you lease or did you use another someone else's shop space and bring clients into their shop, you know, by default? Yeah. So basically I think when we talked, it was in the, we were coming up to around about Christmas time and I was half in a like a farm shop um, or, a, you know, they had a cafe in a space, but I was pretty hampered by the, the times that I could do it. So I actually come into this place for like half of my mini sessions in 2019. So it was kind of like try before you buy, because I knew the owner and I was like, look, it's empty. I know you're trying to rent it. Can I have a look at it? So I, that already planted the seed on kind of coming in here. And yeah, that's that year I was like, yeah, this, even if I just do mini sessions out of it, it's going to be able to pay for it. Um, I took a little, little bit of a risk in the cost, but there you go. Oh, not much, not much. Once no, you- no, not much at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it was more of a case of, um, this building has been split into three. So originally they were trying to rent the entire place as one. So I wasn't sure what the rent of this room and the, the adjacent room was going to be. So I kind of, I worked at it roughly and just went for that. So love it. How did the landlord, how do they know what plans you had as far as design goes? Cause it sounds like they really wanted you in there because they knew how much you were going to put into this as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the landlord, landlord's daughter runs a business across the street. So we have a, like a, a chamber of commerce in the town, which I'm part of and quite active in. So they kind of knew my kind of ethos in terms of the business, you know, everything is going to be like not high end, but it's going to be done really well because they've had a personal experience because I've, I've done, you know, I've shot for them and so on. So, so they kind of had an idea, but when I started renovating, basically he could he kind of popping in just to see how I was doing. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, this looks awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was like, yeah, more than willing to then help out. So because I'm helping him by putting money into the property, then he, wants me in for longer. So it's kind of like a win-win situation. So I ended up signing a five-year lease on the place. So initially it was three years because that was like how far my weddings were going into the future. Then I just thought, you know what, I got to look at this pandemic. I'll tack those years onto it and then come when with a five-year lease. So I imagine too that if he is still trying to lease, or if he was at that time looking to lease other parts of that building, he would just bring anyone that's slightly interested into your space. They'd go, wow. And it almost yeah. resell it for him. Yeah, it is exactly. And I think especially this space is a bit of an odd space. It's, it's got like two windows. There's no central heating. It's freezing cold here. So if anyone comes in here, it's kind of like, and they remember what it was like before, 
they were like, yeah, we can do anything with any of these rooms now. So it gives them hope as well. And the other two spaces have been rented out since then as well. So have they? Right. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Unfortunately, the one downstairs should have been a bridal shop. So uh, that's a bit of a um, <laughs> bit of a, a downside and a hairdresser's got in instead. So Bugger. nothing against them. But yeah, <laughs> the bridal shop opened up just up the street instead. So we still have a good relationship, but it would have been kind of a pretty good situation. Not too bad. Um, there's so many things I want to ask you. I know we're going to get to mini <laughs> sessions, but um, yeah, when you sign a five-year lease, do you also take an option for a further three or five years when you take that lease? Yeah, I think you get an option at the end to renew at the same length. Uh, or th- I think it's definitely three, but it could be on the same length. So that's been a conversation because we, you know, we're halfway through near enough. That, that's been a conversation I've had recently because there's some work I'd like to do here on top of what I've done. So hopefully it doesn't have any plans to sell the building, which was my biggest concern, um, especially with the price of properties at the moment, because it's an easier way of making money. But I think he said he's just going to pass it on to his daughter and his son and so on. And Christ. I don't think she's she'd kick me out, to be honest, without giving me a heads up. So um, <laughs> fingers crossed I'll be in here for a while. So Excellent. Again, before we get into mini sessions, just give us an idea of the town that you're working in. What's the population like? What's the demographic like? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, statistically, it's one of the poorest areas in the UK. It's really underfunded in everything. There's a, a kind of a dense population squished into a small area. So because I live, uh, what's called it, in the valleys, the valleys are South Wales, kind of old mining towns, which obviously are quite a large depression after the mining situation when they, they all finished. So in terms of like financial, it's not it's not a great area which is kind of always a struggle with, you know, with pricing certain things and running sessions and studio sessions and so on. But also in terms of um, people's homes, a typical house is a terraced house, is a very small property. So when people talk about, you know, you can make it anywhere doing like portrait sales and stuff, you need to come and visit where I live because, (laughs) you know, it's not always a case about money. It's a case about space. Right. You know, people don't have space on a wall to put a large 40 by 30 print, for instance. So there's, there's not just the financial constraints, there's actually physical constraints as well. So in terms of, you know, there there are a few people that would come on and say that, you know, it doesn't matter where you live. Um, It absolutely does. And I'll stand by that because um, why you know, I done 106 mini sessions last Christmas. Um, in two years, I've never done a studio session with a family. So that kind of gives you an idea. So you're doing mini sessions in the studio, but you haven't done just like a family portrait in the studio. Correct. Yeah. What, because they wouldn't buy the photos or they don't have the money or the space? It wouldn't, it wouldn't pay. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. On the flip side, I'm not advertising a huge amount, but they've come in. I've, you know, I've done a couple of hundred sessions in here you'd think at least one would come back to have a, a family session and that's not been the case. So you're not doing you're not doing outdoor family portraits either. So you're just not booking families. No, not at all. No. Wow. So it's a bit of a, an odd one, but that's just the case. That's, you know, a lot of times the product they need for Christmas isn't really something that they're going to be putting on a wall. So they might not value that side of things. So right. That's why you have to take that uh, a mini session a little bit with a pinch of salt sometimes. Got it. Okay, again, so just to be clear for the listener and me, you're not looking for the high-end client amongst a lower socioeconomic area. You're just, you're serving your area, the, the average person in your area. Yes, 
absolutely yeah okay and that, that's kind of where i'm at with my weddings as well like i'm i'm probably middle higher price wise but in terms of like my photography i think it, it applies to pretty much a broader spectrum of people in terms of the style and so on but yeah with the mini sessions i would say you know it, it's sort of for them it kind of scratches an itch a little bit in terms of they need something for christmas maybe or they want to mark those christmases with their kids and or presents and so on so so it's all about you know the you're looking at an hourly rate that's what you're looking at at that point so it has to be a production line because if you're doing 100 sessions then you need to be able to productionize something. Right. So you're not looking to do big wall portrait upsells. You're just doing mini sessions in a production line format where you get them in, yeah. you do the shoot, you get them out. Yeah, because if you look at it, you've got a limited amount of time. So if you had 100 sessions booked, and even if you had 50 and everyone wanted wall art, you'd be spending so much time doing that that there's going to be things like mistakes, there's going to be delivery issues, there's going to be things which are going to cause you issue, which is ultimately going to affect the bottom line. So for me, it's more of a case of, yeah, fine if, you, if you'd like it, but most people don't want that type of thing for Christmas mini sessions because there's only a certain amount of time you can hang a Christmas photograph on a wall. So it's one of those ones where you, you kind of have to look at the time scale and work out like how much money you'd like to make per session. So And also during those... 106 there's a bunch of freebies in there so there's a few people that i give shoots to for free they might be suppliers or wedding kind of planners and coordinators that i might that i've got a good relationship with so they would get a free session so you have to kind of use it because everything's set up just use it in a way that you can thank someone by giving them the gift of photography i love it so this is for your strategic alliances that you're building as you go i love that yeah, but it's just being nice as well. I mean, a lot of sure. photographers forget about just being nice. You know, there's <laughs> a big ego thing going on at the moment. Just be nice and it, hopefully it'll come around and, and and people will just start recommending you. That's what I built my business on, just being nice and helpful. <laughs> so like there's not, you know, it's not a case of if I give them something, they'll give me something back. No. It's the other way around. They've given me something. So it's my turn to repay them. So that's the way I think about it. It's not about like, oh, if I... If I get them in for free, they're going to start giving me weddings. That, you know, that's not about it. It's not about that for me. It's more about the other way around. But like on the other side, if there's a newer photographer who doesn't have those alliances yet or those relationships, they could certainly offer them, couldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're at the point where it is productionized and you've got everything set up and everything's ready, fill in a space that would, you know, be empty. There's no odds to you. As a photographer, we're only really losing time. So in that sense, get people in give them a really good experience then all of a sudden they're sharing everything on social media and they just you know just kind of goes off then so you do have to pick and choose you know people turning those up the free work but if you're going to get a decent amount of eyes on your work then why not i think yeah especially if you do have bookings because it does start small you know mine started in my living room with my kids and then another family and then now i'm, I'm kind of sitting in a an 80 meter squared studio space that looks pretty cool so i love it so it does you know i guess from from an acorn grows a mighty oak i guess is, is <laughs> saying, so. this is what i love about your story so much the fact that you were on the show you know for that episode 352 you talked about those first photos of your kids in your living room and i think we've got yeah. those photos in the show notes that's what you use for marketing and it built from there like it's so good to see yeah i think at the time you did say 
that there is potential to use the same format that you were using then, like throughout the year. It doesn't just have to be for Christmas minis. Have you gone down that road or are you just sticking to doing these at Christmas? I've looked at it, but it's just time. I mean, I mean, like last year, I had 41 weddings. This year, 64. Um, <laughs> next year, already up to 42 weddings. So the chances of doing like a shoot in May, for instance, is kind of zero. <laughs> so Christmas is kind of like a little bit of a drop off in terms of weddings, typically. So then it is a chance of doing that. Didn't happen last year because of restrictions. Everything was kind of like backloaded. So the volume of weddings during the winter months, uh, Christmas just gone, was increased. So it's more of a case of you have to look at the time because my bread and butter in terms of the business are weddings. So it's more of a case of where I can fit it in. But also my wife is now working with me. So she's left work and she's actually helping me with certain things. So it's more of a case of now the mini sessions are going to be paying for her as well as kind of the rent. So yeah, it's it's all changed basically. But the method that I kind of figured out has remained the same. So whilst I'm in a space, this could be picked up and put in somewhere else and run from somewhere else. So it's no different really. What's your wife's name? Uh, Kirsty. Kirsty. And so how's that going having uh, her working in the business with you? <laughs> Do you want the honest answer? I mean, she's never going to listen to this, but no. Absolutely. To be fair, to be fair though, she's, um, she's only doing a small amount. She's only really picked it up since Christmas because I've got two young ones, uh, two little ones. So she does a lot of the work in terms of the house and the kids to allow me to do this, especially with the volume of weddings, especially. So um, so she's starting to do little things. So I can't throw it in at the deep end. You know, most people know if you're trying to hand things over from yourself that you've done for years, it's quite difficult to let go of the reins, but not just that. It's having her learn the systems that you just take for granted. Uh, so anything she does helps me basically because it's something I, I'm not doing. Awesome. Mate, um, if Kirsty's anything like Linda, she'll be running the business in no time. <laughs> and you, you'll just be the shooter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's pretty organized. The, the thing she's got going against her, she's a nurse. She's a trained nurse. So nurses are kind of notorious when it comes to technology because they don't have a lot of dealings with the you know basic systems and computers because they're just looking after people and you know filling out basic forms and so <laughs> the biggest issue she's got you is be careful now you're treading on dangerous ground it's fine she won't listen to this uh, at least if she now. stabs you she can stitch you back up <laughs> <laughs> no she will she actually has been listening to a couple of the podcasts because uh she's picking up pinterest for me for example so uh-huh. she's going to start running that so one of the ones you just released you listened to fantastic so yeah yeah it's uh it's interesting i mean it is helping me and i think probably this christmas will she'll help a little bit more and it'll just keep going like that unreal now let's dive into these mini sessions so i guess firstly when is the best time to start like for the listener that they're thinking about mini sessions what month do they start preparing for this yeah so i'm already booking things for christmas for my kids so the earlier for certain things the better but I would say you're looking at, I typically release the dates around end of August. Uh, and I tend to do a little pre-sale for a week, which is just to get the ball rolling and get the name kind of out there a little bit. Because sessions, I look to start ideally sort of second towards the back end of October. Because with the sessions, you've got to give them enough breathing time for other people to see them. To start them in December is too late. 
because by the time other people see it and then want to book, you're up to Christmas and it's kind of no good for anyone. So yeah, the earlier, the better, even if you have to sort of drum up some interest to say that, you know, they come in and then other people start tagging other people and sharing and so on. So Perfect. Okay. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking as a male, wow, October's early for Christmas, but then knowing Linda, my wife, she's already starting to do Christmas shopping in January for next Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so something comes Absolutely. up, she's organized. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I get families buying uh, their Christmas outfits now in the January sales, ready for the previous for the next Christmas. Right, unreal. Because they know it's coming again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they're buying these kind of pretty outfits, ready for the next year. All right. So end of August, we're starting to pre-sell some sessions. So okay, let's just, I'll put it over to you. Like, how do we do this? Like, how do we maximize our profits if we want to give this a go? So for me, it starts with online booking perform. Since we spoke, I've moved everything to Sprout, uh, Sprout Studio now. So the good thing about that, it can not just handle the booking situation in terms of setting up the calendar and being able to pick the time because they have that built in now, like Acuity, which I was using previously. It also handles the galleries and the sales and so on. So everything's in one system and they get a portal, they can fill out questionnaires and so on. So the initial... Initial start is uh, like most things at the moment through social media. So you put on a link maybe of it's difficult to show the current setup because if you're going to release it in August, I don't really want a Christmas setup from August onwards. So you're kind of relying on other people's, uh, for me, uh, for other people's past experience to say, you've done a great job in previous years. I'll kind of take a risk knowing that you've done a great job for us and we've seen the quality. So therefore I'll jump on that, that kind of pre-sale. That's why you do a pre-sale because you're not really showing the full Christmas sets that you're going to have ready. So it's a bit of a risk, but then the risk is reduced because you've given them a little bit of a drop in cost. Right. So are you saying that people are hesitant to book if they're looking at last year's setup? Um, I don't see that but I could see why people would be because they book in for something. They have no idea what color it's going to be, for instance, or. Right. Okay. So, but that would be more about repeat clients, wouldn't it? Because they don't want to have the same thing as last year. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But those repeat clients are exactly what you want because they're the ones that then tell other, other people that, Oh, this, we done this last year. It was awesome. And you know, they tell other people and they just spiders out from there. So that initial pre-sale, I tend to send to all my past clients for the first week to say, look, this is up and running. You get first pick of the dates because you've come in, you know, in previous years. And I give them a date then in that email to say, it's going to go to the public on this date. So they're already starting to generate a little bit of a buzz about it. So So I don't want this to be an excuse for someone that wants to try this for the first time, not going ahead. So they could go back to that first interview that we recorded and do exactly what you did and photograph their own kids or their friends' kids in a Christmas setup and use that to promote their mini sessions, couldn't they? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, it's like it's like weddings, for instance. You're not showing them their wedding photographs when they book. They go and they book an offer back of someone else's wedding photographs. So they already kind of have a, a preconceived idea that, you know, you're pretty good at this, you know, you can do it. So they already have a bit of confidence in you and, and also like, you know, the social trust and, you know, the, they see your name quite all, you know, whatever. So it's, yes, it sounds like a bit of a risk, but then, you know, the risk is just minor at that point. It's just setting up a booking form. It's not really, you know, and because I've got that 
booking form and that web page set up from previous years, I could set it up in 10 minutes. So I've only lost 10 minutes. So it's not really that much of a risk at that point. Sure. The biggest risk is when you're actually buying things. So I've, I've invested a little bit now on my backdrop system. So I use uh, Graceland Designs, which are Australian-based, I think. I think they are. But they do have a UK. So they have like metal frames and they have printed neoprene covers that you actually pin to the, the frames. So it means that that backdrop is a photo print. You just add some things in front. So it's really easy to set up, but they're not exactly cheap, but it looks so good. So I'll give you some photographs of the previous years so you can see those setups and so on. Perfect. So those backdrops you're talking about, the images that are printed on them, are they slightly out of focus so it looks like you're shooting with a shallow depth of field or is that, are they sharp? No, they, they're sharp. So you can, you can make that creative decision to blow it out a little bit if you want. So yeah, they're sharp. And it, because of the way that they've been shot, they've been lit in a certain way. So you can pick with some of the backdrops, you can pick your light direction so if you're shooting with one light, you can match up the shadow on the backdrop with your light position. Fantastic. Wow. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. And, you know, because they're neoprene, you just pull them off, fold them up and store them away for, you know, the next year. So I have three of those now. So at last Christmas, I done three setups because um, I kind of jumping around a little bit. But what I did find was, and this is maybe one thing which I've changed my sets tend to be very similar in size. They kind of, you know, kind of three meter wide. Uh, they have a, a seat offset quite often. But what I was finding for the smaller kind of toddlers, you know, little babies that can't sit up properly, they get lost within a large three meter space. So I've got a, a smaller version now, a one and a half meter, two meter wide, sorry. So they can be photographed in a kind of a smaller setup. So that that's perfect now. Are they set up next to each other so you can go from one to the other? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's three, so the two opposite each other, and then the third on the kind of adjacent wall then. So it's, it's pretty like in, for Christmas, it's kind of rammed in, in here, but it means that they get free reign. They can come in, they can jump around each set. I want them running back and forth. I want them, you know, interacting. So it gets their personality into it and they have a bit of fun because they can only, you know, some kids, they can only have the attention span for like 10 or 15 minutes at the most. Sure. So the more they've got to interact with, the more chance I've got some cool photographs. Got it. So let's go back. So you've emailed your past clients, your email list about these upcoming Christmas sessions. You're trying to get them pre-booked. They go into Sprout Studio. But again, the listener could use Acuity or Calendly or whatever they're using. And they book a time. How far apart are the times that you have for the sessions? My sessions are every hour, but the session length is half an hour. So that kind of works perfect for me. Some people turn up, you know, on the time that they've allocated. Some people a little bit late. So it's a bit of a wiggle room. Um, plus it gives you a little bit of time to maybe adjust some of the sets if you've got some unruly kids that come in and destroy the place. <laughs> but also if you've got, you know, it's the perfect scenario, you've got a, a kid coming in who's like seven, eight years old. They just do whatever you tell them. You stand there, sit down. They can be out in 10 minutes. I could import and edit and export that shoot, that session by the time the next session comes in. Great because of the way I'm shooting and the presets that I'll set up prior to this mini session starting. So yeah, I try to, um, so the hour, I, I, it's kind of a little bit of a game that I try and shoot and edit and export within that time. I love it. 
Philip, let me just take you back to the email that you send out. So you haven't got this year's setup done yet or created or fully sorted. Do you just tell them in the email that, hey, this is going to be a brand new setup and this is what I'm envisioning or this is what I'm planning? Yeah, the beauty of the Graceland setup, uh, they do a, a release, I think, in June. So I can grab the stills from their store to say, look, this is the base of you know this year's setup. But we will, like, I think I'll retire one of the setups, which is like a darker one. I'll bring the other one in to replace it and then buy a new one. So they kind of know that it'll be one brand new setup and maybe one previous year's. For instance, that might be the case. Oh, I might just buy two new setups totally but at least i'll have the backdrop from their online store to be able to show this is the base of it and then i tend to add some things in front of it just to give it a bit more depth sure okay so what happens next so let's say you know you start to get some bookings which is great do you run a facebook ad at the same time to start filling up the open spaces i don't think i've even done any facebook ads on these wow i think i've done i've done one giveaway just a free session or something you know free photos that's fine. Um, but I just find now I'm at the point where because of the volume that I've shot, it tends to run itself a little bit. But I think if I was doing it from scratch, a couple of maybe one or two giveaways early. So in that pre-sale, do a pre-sale giveaway. And then one probably just to say if you've got the, the set set up around, I don't know, first week of October, do a giveaway to be the the like or end of September to be the model, like a model call for it. So you can say, look, I need someone to come in. I need to shoot this because I need to show everyone now. So you could do it that giveaway as well. That would work quite well. I think that one would probably be better than the pre-sale. Pre-sale is kind of like um, most people are booking that because of past experience, I would say. And in that pre-sale email to your past clients, are you asking them to share the same email with their friends or the link to the booking page? No, because it's to them because they are past clients. I want to make sure they feel a bit more special that it's for them. Then I will say at the, the kind of the bottom of the email, it's like, don't forget, this goes out to the public, you know, the wider public on X date. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, hurry up and book type of thing. You get first dibs, but also there's, you know, there's a mandatory value to, to book in early. Right. Okay. Just before we get into that then, so how do you get new clients? Like in the early days or even now, you've got some, you know, a few days spare, you've got some extra spots open. How do you fill those up? Uh, it's a good question. I, I mean, I have no idea is the honest answer. I think, <laughs> I think that it's kind of like my weddings where every wedding that I do that I, I deliver, you know, 20 to 30 photographs the day after it's the visibility. So I turn around these photographs always within 24 hours. So you know, those hundred sessions, they all had their photographs within 28, 24 hours, pretty much 90% of the time. So that, so most people get super excited with that. So they get, they shoot, you know, it could be a few hours until they get their photographs and then they're already on a buzz and then they just start sharing them and it just spiders out like that. So that's the way I do it. I I love that. And I can see how that would work 100%. Um, Let's say I come in for my session with my family. I have a great experience. 24 hours later, Linda has the photos. We love them. Let's say she shares them with our friends. How do they know to get in touch with you? Are they watermarked? Is there a link? Do they say just 
contact Philip. He does an amazing job. Yeah, that's typically what what happens is when people share them. I always say like, look, if you, I think in the delivery email it does say something like, please, you know, tag me. I really appreciate it. It just kind of shows that you appreciate it as well. If you you know if you like the photographs, but I, I don't really like make people do anything. It's kind of just make sure. It kind of goes back to being nice. If you're being really nice, they're having a good time. They love this, the whole experience of it. You're kind of making it difficult for them not to give you a, a, a big <laughs> kind of thumbs up online. So, and that's just generally me. I'm not trying to be nice. I'm not trying to, you know, that's just the way I am. So they almost feel like, I think like Gary Vaynerchuk does the jab, 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 right hook. So you're kind of giving them loads of things in terms of like, you tell them what, you know, things to wear, the setups, the, the experience, you're giving them all of this and they're having a good time and the, the photographs and then ultimately good, hopefully. Um, that They almost feel guilty then, I guess, that they don't then recommend you and, and promote you a little bit. So Sure. Okay, let me rephrase the question. How does a new client get in touch with you about getting their family photograph for a Christmas session? So on my Facebook page, both my loft and my weddings, there'll be a, a link to a booking form. So each post has, you know, how to book. And in that, in that link are things like pricing, the, the backdrop setups and, and so on. So yeah, it's not even a, sometimes they'll send me a message because they've not read the post, which is, you know, often <laughs> the case with Facebook. So so it's a case of just sending them a link, say, look, all my pricing info and have the box on this link, just visit there and, and just, just book in. So And they'll do everything themselves then through Sprout and the automatic booking. Yeah, exactly. Is Instagram as effective as Facebook? Are you getting bookings from Instagram? Um, for this one, not so much because I think I didn't really, I wasn't that precious over Facebook so much. So I would share Christmas photographs on it. On Instagram, I do get bookings, um, but I'll do it through stories and then people message me. But yeah, it's something I'll definitely use a little bit more. But now I have a commercial brand, then I can kind of use that as a platform and then I can share it to my wedding stuff as well because I ultimately have a, a larger following on the wedding. So there's more eyes on that. But it just has a, has a, now it's got a home somewhere, you know, so sticking Christmas photographs in the month wedding photographs kind of looks a little weird sure, and people sure. are like oh that's cool but it doesn't really doesn't fit get it yeah it doesn't fit that well so but yeah I mean just sharing stuff really okay this is all making total sense and just with the email so you send the original email or the initial email to past Christmas mini clients and they have so long to get in do you then send that same email or a similar email to the rest of your email list, like all your wedding clients? Premium members of PhotobizX hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. It's a testament to you, mate. I love the way you approach business and life, and it's like it's no wonder you are the, the success that you are. I appreciate that. Do you actually, I know we've gone over time here, but do you actually pencil out some time to have some time off <laughs> because he, like did you say 70 <laughs> weddings or something for the year? 65 this year yeah 65 <laughs> Incredible. um yeah and the other thing as well i don't pay for any advertising for them as well so i, I don't do any facebook ads and google ads nothing it's mostly referral on social media so yeah go go back to it i mean it is difficult, but then you look at weddings, it is seasonal, you know? So like, for instance, whilst I got 65 weddings, there was only four that happened from January to April, you know? So you do have a, a kind of an up and down time. And also like my processes, my CRM, my business system, it kind of runs itself to a point. 
you know, I use like Imogen AI, for instance, for my wedding edits for majority of it, you know, so there's things which I implement small things like just to be able to cut down on that time and ultimately stick to a delivery time that I, that I set myself and tell my clients as well. Yeah. So the time off thing, I mean, that is difficult, but I don't know, it's, I do have a holiday planned in in September, so so I'll probably need it by then. But it, it's I think that's just you know that's being self employed, isn't it? That's it is running a business yourself that you have to take the rough of the smooth a little bit. Absolutely, so. I agree. I agree. And look, just to finish off, I know that it was seven a.m. when we started recording for you in the UK. Uh, so, so you uh, you started early today. What's on the cards for the rest of the day for you? Uh, so I've got some editing to do. I've got two weddings to finish, but I've also got a commercial shoot this afternoon. So, and it's more next week is my, my biggest week. So I have like, uh, I think it's six weddings in 11 days, plus a couple of commercial shoots. So like my, basically I have a, uh, an engagement shoot Monday, wedding Tuesday, commercial shoot Wednesday, and then it's three weddings in a row then. So that's, that's my week next week. So interesting times, interesting times. Uh, I'm glad we recorded this week. <laughs> You're still awake. Yeah. So, so like when you said about recording early, I was like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I've got kids. I'm going to be at work in anyway. So it makes a difference to me. <laughs> oh, Philip, mate, I'm so glad we had a chance to talk again. Oh, my pleasure. You're so generous with, with your time, your information. I'm going to add links and uh, like you said, photos uh, to the show notes to accompany the audio. Is there any one place that you think the listeners should go to learn more about you or two places? like? What- yeah, I think my Instagram is probably the best place. I have two Instagram accounts, obviously, for my weddings and my commercial stuff. My commercial Instagram is a little bit lacking in terms of I've not had time to post much on it, kind of on purpose almost, because I don't really want to promote too much work to get more work. So, yeah, my Instagram for my weddings is at Phil Warren, Phil Warren Photo. And then my my commercial work is Loft Studio UK. I'll give you all the links for everything. Yeah. Nice. I'll add links to those and everywhere else that the listener can find you online, mate. Obviously I'm part of the members group and everything. So if anyone wants to ask me any questions on on anything at all, (laughs) more more than happy to help, as you can tell. (laughs) I'm going to really encourage the listener to ask you questions there instead of DMing and PMing you and sending you emails. (laughs) Because uh, Yeah, look, uh, I guess that might answer questions for other people then. So I'm I'm totally honest. Exactly. Um, So, yeah. Awesome. Philip, mate, have a, uh, a fantastic rest of the day. Hope you survive next week and uh, really looking forward to releasing this one when it goes live. But thanks again, mate. No, I appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Philip as much as I did. Philip, if you're listening, mate, I said it during the interview and I said it after we finished recording, but mate, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing everything you have. Congratulations on your success. It's so good to hear things are going well. And I do know and I do understand that it is tougher in some parts of the UK than others. I totally get that. So again, mate, congratulations. Thank you. And I can't wait to see and read the feedback from today's interview. For you, the listener, I hope you did get a ton from what Philip had to share. Whether or not you photograph minis or you're intending to photograph minis in the future, if you have a follow-up question for Philip, you can hit him up in the comments area of the show notes. They're at the very bottom over at photobizx.com forward slash 472. In those show notes, I've got examples of his work. You'll see an image or two of his studio. I've got links to anywhere and everywhere that you can find him and things that he mentioned in the interview. And of course, if you are a premium member, 
you can get easy access to Philip inside the members' Facebook group. Just tag him in your post. It could be to ask a follow-up question. It could just be to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I'm off to tidy up the audio, get this edited and out to you. Then it's brekkie and on the bike for a big day of riding and climbing. I hope wherever you are in the world, you are safe, healthy and well. I hope you're happy. I hope business is good. And I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. That's all for this episode. If you've enjoyed the interview, head to the show notes at photobizx.com to find more information, to leave a comment or to share your thoughts. Au revoir from friends and talk to you next week.